This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Introducing the new Starbucks Pistachio Cream Cold Brew. Silky Pistachio Cream Cold Foam tops our bold, smooth cold brew for a delicious twist on a favorite winter flavor. Make today a good day. Order ahead on the Starbucks app. At the Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. I'm going to let you finish with Courtney and Amy. What up? What up? What up? What up? What up? up? (laughs) It's been a week, girl. So, uh... In a week. It's been a week. A whole whole seven days. A whole seven days of a week. So, it is Wednesday. And uh, yesterday... Was it yesterday? Or was it the day before yesterday? The day... Was it Monday? Oh. Monday. Monday. When Facebook and Instagram went down. <laughs> so AKA, AKA yeah. when we lived through the nineties again, and right. it was not bad. It's so funny because, um, you know, the 60 minutes piece, I'm, I'm sure you guys are aware by now, the 60 minutes piece ran on Sunday night with the Facebook whistleblower. Who's testifying <laughs> before Congress now. Uh-huh. And then suddenly today on Monday, Monday, I was going to upload something to our, I'm going to let you finish page on Facebook. Please follow us. And the page was gone. And I was like, oh, it's down. Then I went to upgrade our I'm going to let you finish NY IG page. And that was stuck and not working. So then I went to our finish on my Twitter. That was working. And I saw that it was down. And I was like, okay, cool. But evidently, if you were born in a certain age, you were losing your fucking mind because all of a sudden, not me. Not well. I said if you're born in a certain oh, okay. Age, so not us. In other not words, us. <laughs> everybody I know in our age group is like, oh yes, yeah, down. Or like it was. I have to say because you know we'll handle this and then we'll talk about the overarching <laughs> issue, which is more important than somebody that the squirrel forgot to run in the wheel to turn right. the electricity on. There. It, I mean, Facebook is, has become a necessary evil. It's one of those things where it's like, who the fuck needs this? And then you suddenly find yourself that you need it all the time, like everything else. And I, at first was like, Oh, it must be my shitty connection. The second part of me was like, Oh my God, I hope Courtney's not mad that I'm not posting anything. And then the third (laughs) part was like, yay, because I checked the thing like a nervous twitch. And I was like, Okay, it's down. Life goes on. Yep. And you start going, you know, I only really post like stuff for uh, for us or I like or right. dislike stuff. I don't yeah. post anything anymore. But it it's it was like, wow, okay, you suddenly had this moment where you're like, maybe it's really not that important that I post uh something that anybody in their right mind can read if they're really interested anyway. And life right. goes on. Right. You know, life the biggest drag I think that was WhatsApp going down, because that's an actual means of communication. I mean Yeah, but you know what it let me see because all and I didn't know I didn't know they owned WhatsApp. Well, but that, well, I remember when they bought WhatsApp and I was really upset when they bought up WhatsApp because I was <laughs> like, you know, Facebook has really shady practices and WhatsApp is supposed to be encrypted. And I'm like, who trusts them? So I kind of moved over to Signal 
Okay, for, for we'll, have to, we'll have to talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because what I what I what I what it brought to the forefront for me was the idea of monopolies now. Yeah. How these singular companies are just buying up everything. Right. And you see how there's a glitch in one and it takes down a whole network. You and know, you and Repu- it's, well, you can thank your friends, the Republicans, for that. So it's like Amazon getting to buy up everything and now they're buying the movie studios. And you see, you know, the unions are about to go on strike. You know, they're trying to fight for fair compensation and stuff with these tech companies coming in. First of all, everybody knows that I've known about 20 people that have worked at Amazon. Not one of them stayed. Amazon supposedly is a horrible place to work. You know what I mean? So when you think about that and these companies get to just buy up everything and then Republicans. Yeah. And then there's a glitch and everything goes down. I mean, I watched everybody freaking out. I was like, well, you know, your phone still works. So like you need to reach somebody call them yeah it's like but but i i, I think it's a novel gonna, concept call yeah, there's them. a con- there's a concept call them right um you know i mean the bigger issue the little glitch aside i mean you know life goes on you know right. is is look facebook all you had to do is watch the social network to know that mark zuckerberg is a dick right. okay right and i think a lot of us or i'll say me we we had used to have this assumption that because you were doing something that's vaguely creative and vaguely intelligent that your inte- your politics were going to be good. I don't know what Mark Zuckerberg's politics. I do know that he is pro charter school and pumped a lot of money into charter schools which would indicate that he's not liberal. Um because he but the point is is that it has been fairly evident for quite some time that Mark Zuckerberg is is got his foot on one side of the dividing line. And and yeah, you and I use Facebook as a means of communication, a means of fun. None of us are checking on ads. None of us are stupid enough to fall into QAnon K-holes. But we know that there are a tremendous amount of people who are getting their information from Facebook. Oh, the vaccine is scary. How do you know? I read it on Facebook, which is like the equivalent of reading it on a bathroom wall, for fuck's sake. It means nothing. So that's obviously we are in agreement. That's the danger. And that's what this whistleblower is talking about. That Facebook literally looks at stuff and goes, huh, this could cause violence. People could get hurt, but ka-ching! And they thrive on it. When they click on this, they're going to stay on here because then they're going to click on this and they're going to click on this and our ads are just going to make us money. And they thrive on the violence. And you know, right, because their energy is like, we're here to make money. Right. I wish they would just be honest about it. We're here to make the money. Which is, you know, that's fine. But stop. We're here to make money. That's fine. But stop positioning yourself as a as a means of communication. And we're the and we're the neighborhood sounding board. No, you're a a commercial space that allows people to post pictures of their pot roast, basically. And stop the shit. And I think now we will be united Republicans and Democrats in fucking going. All right, guys, you know what? clamp down and I'm all for it. Regulate these guys. Like and you do all everything of it, else. Let me right? just tell you okay, I'll tell you something really crazy. So we all know that our phones listen to us, right? I don't know if you guys realize that your phones listen to you and sometimes that's how you will start seeing ads targeted towards you. Now they're also scanning through all of our shit, like which we all have all known. A friend of mine on one of our one of my group threads sent the, uh, a picture of these new potato chips. It's like a Hattie B's hot chicken potato chip. And we were having a discussion about it and everything. I didn't even chime in on the discussion, but I opened up Facebook yesterday and now I'm seeing all of these ads oh, for those chips. And I'm like, I didn't even answer the thread. I've never you know answered I mean? a thing. I'm getting, I'm a little hurt. And yet yeah. the ads are fat. I get right. nothing but ads for like makeup for women who are letting their hair go gray. How did you know that, Facebook? <laughs> it's really crazy. Fuck you, Facebook. It's How did really, you know that? really, 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 really crazy. Anyway, so I yeah. really, I mean, that's the bigger issue. Mark Zuckerberg, I mean, you know, all, all, shows, of, our, yeah. all it, of our joking sort of aside, these guys are dictating, dictating public policy without saying it. And that's the reason. I mean, she more. sat there and said that they had been reached out by leaders from a bunch of, I think it's yeah. like nine different countries saying mm-hmm. you are cause, causing discourse 
with the information discord, that is coming. Discord, to, discord, discord. Yeah, yeah. We we you want know, discord. You know, you know. I'm always, I'm always. Two, I'm not trying to be. I, well, no, no. Saying, I was just about to say, but you know, I'm always two two letters off of the right, right word, and it. you're always like, no, honey, that's the wrong. No, no, no. I'm just saying because we want discourse. Right, we, we don't want discourse. Right. Oh my god. So thank God you're professor because it's like you're always like, honey, wrong well, word. It's not professor. <laughs> I, you know, it's just whatever. It's the only language I speak. Um, um, no, but it's, I think it's a this mess. woman, this it's woman is cr- very credible. And I think what oh, she's yeah. saying is very important and she is protected legally by, there is a whistleblower law and she has gone through all the checks to be a whistleblower. Well, listen, he, it's the one thing that seems to be that the Democrats and the said, Republicans, they were being all nice to each other. We like, hate oh, Facebook. Well, look at this. We hate Facebook. So yay we, for we, Facebook. <laughs> we hate Facebook. And maybe but, next time Facebook won't take block me because I made a joke about a dead mouse. See, that well, they blocked well, me. Well, well, you know what's really funny? Two things. One, it's really hard, right? Because I do have this thing like, I don't think you should just be able to come in and tell a private company what to do, right? But at the same token, we have to update the laws because everybody, the Constitution was written before there was electricity, you know, so much has changed. We have not added amendments to this constitution in a long time. And I'm sorry, with the advent of online and everything else, some of these rules have to change. They, yeah. they, they, they just yeah, have to be I mean, updated. I'm yeah. not saying wipe them out, but you have to update and add. No, you have to regulate. To you have to treat it like maybe if Congress did their jobs and stopped fighting with each other and realized there's a bunch of shit that we could agree on together. They can maybe do something. Well, I think, this, I think this is it. Well, Got speaking it. of the Internet and people Oof. firing and this is, uh, uh, you know, um, is all right. So Stephen A. Smith was responsible I, for Mac. I, I have to say it's, it's somewhat refreshing to see a black person being responsible for firing a white person. Right. It is. a It is. Wee, that's fun. Right. <laughs> Except when it's Stephen A. Smith, who I've. I'm not a fan. I've never been a fan of my mother likes him. And, you know, I love how he's like, well, I looked at the ratings and they're saying that this was getting stale. And I love how he just assumed the problem was Max. I think the problem is Stephen A. Smith. You know, well, he's, what I sort mean? Of a, he's sort of an asshole. Isn't yes. He, right? And I think that his brand of journalism, of being that guy who's like, ah! and screaming is kind of old. Yeah. And like, I, I used to see, I don't know if you know this, but, um, as a person years ago in my office and when I would work, I used to have CNN on 24-7, 24-7. That was just the background to my shit. And I realized it was starting to really, especially during the election cycle, I had to turn up. It really started to affect my day. And I didn't realize how much keeping news on 24-7 would affect my day. So when I cut that off, I went to just put ESPN on in the background. But I have to tell you, I have not watched ESPN in so long. I've stopped watching because a bunch of the talent that I loved has left. They have a woman problem. They have a black person problem. They just have problems. They need to, everybody needs to go. All the executives, I think they need to clean house with some of that talent, including Sage Steele, who's like, doesn't understand why Obama would check black on the box when his sound. Yeah, she sounds like sort of the Candace Owens of sports broadcast. First of all, nobody black likes Sage Steele. Let me just say that. She's been that for a long time. We don't like her. Everybody loved Jameel. Jameel Hill. Jameel Hill. We loved her. But they ran her and Michael out of there, right? And Carrie left. But we got stuck with Sage Steele, who's like... Sage Steele is like putting two-week-old pastas do milk into your fresh new box of cereal. She's horrible. And the fact that she tried to say that she doesn't understand why Obama would check Black on his box because his father wasn't around and his white mother and grandmother are the ones who raised him. It's just like, what planet are you on? What planet are you on? I actually saw an interview this morning with, first off, Sage Steele sounds like a porn star name, but I'm just going to- Absolutely. It does. It really does. 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 I was like, wow, they're hiring porn stars at the How Progressive. (laughs) Um, I don't, you know, honestly, I, I, I mean, you know, I love sports. I don't watch ESPN a lot. The only show mm-hmm. I've really, I used to watch Jamel Hill uh, mm-hmm. check in and I, I do, I know it's not ESPN, but I do love anything Charles Barkley related. Cause I find him to just be hilarious. Oh, well, that's, that's the TNT and that's TNT, Kenny Smith. And, all those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Those guys. and, and yeah. I do like Jalen and Jacoby just because Jacoby's a friend of my son's. And well, he's actually, nice everybody likes Jalen and Jacoby. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. They're cool. But I think that when I saw her, they, that woman, Carrie, 
um, Carrie Champion. Was, yeah, mm-hmm. she came on. And the thing that's really troubling about, I mean, there's many things that's troubling about Sachel. She made some stupid anti-vax comment and very pointedly had wait, a, a Band-Aid, wait. Wait, wait, had a Band-Aid on her arm. So clearly she got vaccinated. Well, because she felt, she said it was sick because it's a mandate by ESPN. Oh, yeah. and she also said, about women who get well, sexually that's always, harassed and everything. Yeah. Well, you knew what you were doing when you put that outfit on. It's like, what? Well, what? what? <laughs> well, well, even but even more importantly than that, because I hate to say it, that is not an uncommon thought among women. But my but thing is, that's such a stereotype. I don't think every woman who was who's been sexually harassed. I'm not saying. Have, no, I'm just saying the fact that she would say that. It's like. Not every but, woman who's who was sexually harassed or anything came into work in a miniskirt. You well, know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, I'm saying that's so weird. That's, a, that's not an uncommon thought. What I'm right. saying to me that was more troubling, and this is what Carrie Champion brought up. Mm. You're then saying, and I won't mentor you. I mean, women need the reason women don't get to rise in corporate positions is because there's no one there who will help them. There was no one there who will look out for him. Now, I'm not saying all women will help out women. I'm not saying all black people will help out black people. But for Christ's sake. I find that it's better these days, right? Because look at fucking Katie Couric, who's written this book that she's going around promoting, talking about basically how she didn't mentor other women, saw them as competition and sounded like the the meanest mean girl on the fucking planet. Well, because we're forced to be that. We are. Women are forced. Uh, it's an issue. I can, women are pitted against each other in a way that men will never understand. No, but you know what? That is women doing that to each other. Don't women say are pitted against but each why? other. But women pit. No, but who pits the women? Women. <laughs> no, okay. Women are pitted against each other. And I'm not saying all women. Courtney, this is my experience as a woman. You're not women, a woman. <laughs> I'm very much a woman. <laughs> I'm very much a woman. Court, do, you feel, do, you feel, do you feel like you've been some you've been pitted against other women? I in will your career? tell I there is always the one woman writer, the one woman on the cover of the magazine. I'm not saying women aren't complicit, but we are complicit in many ways because this is how we've been trained. We have been trained to see women as competition, right? As opposed to a sisterhood. We are right. I'm not saying that it's across the board, but we are trained. Women are, I mean, it's not across the board and I don't want to make blanket say, but the reason is women don't have the power that men do. It's just a fact. Men right. run the country. Women don't run the country. So to me, what Sage to say, the, the dressing provocative thing is so fucking outdated and stupid. It's you don't even listen to it. But the fact that I don't like the way you're dressed and, and therefore I am not going to help you. Wow. It's yeah. crazy, right? That it's to me nuts. is like, I will tell you when I was, you know, becoming a writer, I could name on one hand the other women. I, a lot of them came way before me and I was mentored in a lot of ways by men, right. which is fine. And it wasn't really, but I've had, I was up for a job once, a very prestigious job. They liked me a lot. And one of the reasons I heard that they didn't consider me is they were concerned that I was a mother, a single mother, and I wouldn't have the flexibility to leave town. Mm. So that has never, no man has ever been said, oh, you have a kid. You think you'll be able to leave the kid? And everyone knows I would have just tied Lucian to the radiator and left town. It's not that big a fucking (laughs) Oh my no, god. No, I just I just hate that. You know, I you know it's just reality. It's just a reality. We live, you know, it's just yeah, I mean, you I don't want to go, but I mean where it's 2021 and women are having to take to the streets to fight for their their health care rights. Health care rights. So let's talk about a bit a woman we love. Adele. <laughs> no, Billie Eilish. Oh yeah. Mention her. Oh yeah, Billie Eilish. She's gonna be headlining Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and Sage Steele, by the way, uh, she's not fired. She's just suspended. By, she's for a suspended. Week, but she'll she, be but, fired. Yeah, she'll nobody wants to see her. Nobody she'll wants to fired. see her. I don't want she, to see her face. She's checked. And I'm, not, and I'm not a cancel culture person. I just have never liked Sage Steele. It's not. It's called culpability. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like. She's, she's horrible. Che- Nobody she's will checked- miss her. Yeah, Nobody she's checked. The yeah. thing is, she's checked too many boxes. She's pissed off black people. She's pissed off women, and she's pissed off people who want to get vaccinated. So boom, 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 boom. Yeah, Nobody will miss her. In the right, world, so- in yeah, yeah. there's yeah. always the inter- go to Newsmax. Yeah, page. whatever. I'm sure. But not even that. She just doesn't appear to be good at her job. I mean, she's that's just the other horrible. Thing. No one cares about her. All right, so, so Billie Eilish. We just wanted to mention she will become the youngest uh, person as a solo artist to headline Glastonbury in 2020. We love her, as everyone knows. We love her. I find her 
to just be a total breath of fresh air. And I always find it just reaffirmation of men and their issues that it's always men who have a criticism of, I don't know, one woman who has a problem with them. Men have a problem with them. I'm so sorry. You don't want to fuck her men, you know? Sorry. And she don't want to fuck y'all either. And she and don't want to fuck you and either. She's fierce. I love, I love it. her. And I makes great it. music. And makes she, great listen, music. I'm here for it. You know what else I'm here for? 30s popping up all over the world. Why is she calling it 30 when she's 33 right now? Well, maybe because that's when she started writing it. She got divorced at 30. So it could okay. be, you know, starting from that year. That was a good the year. Age. It's a good divorce. age to get divorced. Yes, it's a good age to get divorced. You know what I mean? You yeah. still, because you still have whole a lot of life ahead of you. And you know right. what I mean? And um, I don't know, but I try to think, what would I want from a from Adele. Do I want some beats somewhere on this album? Yes. I think at this point, when we're going <laughs> yes. to album four, I would love some tempo in there. You know, Me I think too. I think it's going to be really, really important to just grow because, listen, that voice is phenomenal. We know she can sing us a ballad into the ground. We know that. But now it's a little bit time for what else do you have, right? Because when she gives us an up-tempo, it tends to be a good swinging number. So I'm going to hold off any sort of because I had one friend who saw the preview and he's like, oh, I was hoping for something up-tempo. I was like, well, actually, we don't know what this song does. We just know the beginning and her no, doing we this. You, we don't know anything. So I'm just going to wait and see what it is. Well, I, I mean, she has, she is someone who has universal appeal, age group. Um, actually, I read a very funny comment once because she is somewhat old-fashioned in her demeanor. In, 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 and she is hilarious. If you ever want to crack yourself up, watch Adele on talk shows, especially British talk shows. She is a broad. She is a drinking, cussing, smoking. I don't know if she smokes, but she's a broad. Um, there's something, you know, she is someone that appeals to young people and older people, too, because she, you know, comes out in the kind of, you know, 60s kind of look. Um, she's a belter. I would love to see more rolling in the deeps and less hellos because or whatever because when she does the hellos and it's a great song and someone like you is obviously beautiful she tends to over sing she tends to punch the you know that thing that modern singers do where they kind of modulate and you know alicia keys being the worst um the worst uh person who does it they just like Belt it out at the end. Rolling in the deep and fire to the rain to me are her two best songs, you know. And um, I would Rumor, like to rumor see that, has it is my shit. Yeah, I that is great. That is, it. but those are the songs that. But you know, I love her first album, Hometown yeah. Glory. Is no my shit. I love no, that and song. I and I and I, you know, she is. She has been spending a lot of time in the United States, which is going to impact. I just like her to stay away from the Ryan Tedders and the and the usual suspect. Well, here's the thing: Adele writes her songs. She doesn't really go to other people to write her songs. That's the good thing. Uh, about her. Yes, she does. Not a lot. If you look, if you look at an Adele album, most of her songs, I believe, are written or co-written by her. Well, co-written. Yeah. I mean, you know there are I mean? there are, I mean, as long as she doesn't go Jack Antonoff, please God, don't go Jack Antonoff. Um, I'd love to see her work with some women. I'd love mm. to see um, it's it's you know, listen, it's gonna sell a gazillion copies. She has no one has anything. Even people who are not crazy about her love her. Um, I, of course, as a woman, am really looking forward to a whole bunch of men bitching and complaining about what she looks like now. Because, oh, some guy in some some thread said, oh, my God, and she's so pretty now. And it's like she's always been beautiful. She just was overweight and you didn't like her. But now she looks like what you think a white girl singer should look like. Shut right. shut your fuck up. You know? <laughs> So look, it's going to be a huge record. I think we can guarantee that even though nobody buys physical copies anymore, her fans actually do. And oh no, her fans buy physical. Her fans, listen, it's been six years. Adele is one of those artists who actually sells records, and she sells a lot of records. And there's no one in her lane right now. She has no competition. Um, no you realize we started talking and didn't even tell the people we have a guest on this show. Oh yeah, Adele. <laughs> it's Adele. It's Adele. <laughs> but it might be Miles Marshall Lewis. But it's Adele. As Adele, Miles Marshall Lewis in his new persona. As Adele, since he's <laughs> since he's also working on a book about a really 
hilarious transphobic man, mm-hmm. he's going to come out and he's now Adele. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of mouthy black men, you're mm-hmm. um, to this versus thing, which we have agreed is just kind of like enough already with this. Right. Shit. Um, I'm but done with the verses. Th- I'm so I, done. I'm done. But there's one coming up that looks really, really could be dope. You know, Daddy Kane, KRS One. Now this is gonna. I wonder if the young kids are scratching their head, like who? You know, all the old heads, like oh my god, they have no idea who either one. They they might know, like oh yeah, my grandmother used to live to listen to Criminal Minded. Yeah, you know. So I mean. So does Chris does Chris have D nice with him? You know what I mean? Is that can can Chris afford D nice anymore? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, are Scoop and Scrappy going to show up? Um, right. Look, they they both represent the 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 best of New York hip hop, the best of the golden era. They are both very different type of lyricists. They're both showmen. Um, Karis one that was the first. Uh, first hip hop piece I ever got paid to write. I wrote about Boogie Down Productions and, and, you know, I met Dean Ice when he must've been like 12. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It would be interesting to see if you can limit Chris bless his heart to like a format because he does tend to kind of go on tangents, but I think it's going to be great in terms of the energy. They're both really, they both have solid catalogs. I mean, there's no filler, and um, I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Will I listen to it? Probably not because, you know, I, but I think it'll be really, really fun. Let's fast talk about the halftime show. And then we're going to pick that up with Miles because finally there's a halftime show that really, truly reflects Jay-Z's um, influence. Though he, um, so who is it going to be the halftime show? It's it be- is Dre- Dr. Dre, Eminem. Kendrick Lamar, Snoop Dogg, and Mary J. Blige. Right. Who I wish they would stop calling hip hop hip hop artist Mary J. Blige. Like, oh my God, she's this fucking singer. <laughs> well, remember, she was the queen of hip hop soul. That's what right. they were calling. Yeah, I know, yeah, but they yeah, always call her yeah. hip hop artist. Right. Um, listen, it's a it's a great lineup. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't even recognize Eminem in the pictures because he doesn't mm-hmm. dye his he doesn't bleach his hair anymore. And Mm-mm. I was like, who is what is Jay? And he's Dylan? looked like that for a long time. Yeah, no, her. but he doesn't. I think it's going to be great because none of these, uh, none of these people have. Um, well, Snoop is probably the most ubiquitous because he's everywhere. They've got catalog for day. They've got interchangeable catalog. Mary has, I'm sure, Mary's biggest hit is a Dre song. Snoop is. They're all good shows. Well, here's the thing: Mary's dropping an album in November. Right. I believe Kendrick's working on a record, and if he's yeah. doing if he's doing the Super Bowl, you know there will be something. something. Right? You they're all I mean? they're all Dre related, yeah. but uh, not to the point where it's exclusionary. But you and I have talked about this, and I mean it's a losing battle, but it would be kind of nice. People sort of forget that Dr. Dre likes to liked to in the past tense smack women around in the NFL, which is had- what's very surprising to me that the NFL said yes to him. Right, because he is a little... They've, I mean, he's in the middle of a nasty divorce. I mean, it's just mm. been so much, you know. And I mean? another woman has popped up with a baby somewhere. That's what, and they have been so trying to get away from that image. I'm really surprised that they were like, yes, come in. Come well, on in. I think they're counting on the fact that most people don't know who Michelle Lay or D Barnes are. Right. So I think they are on it. I mean, he's one of these guys who has managed to... Um, you know, oops, oh, that, you know, so, right. and, um, but I think it's going to be, listen, it's going to be a great show. I mean, it it's is, just going to, it's going to be spectacular. I'm singing the national anthem guys. Yes. Um, thank you so much. Just the visual. Yes. You know, <laughs> lately it's been the person who sings the national anthem. That's the most interesting, you know, mm-hmm. well, I'm, I, doing, I'm doing it with me, Lynn Farmer, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> you know who I'd love to sing the national anthem? Who? Rosalia. I think it'd be interesting. They have never had well, she's um, a, a, well, no, a Spanish speaking artist. Well, no, well, she's not American. So she's, what? Because it's the American national anthem. So that's, that means that's so? who sings the national anthem. But why not? Why not make it in, an international Spanish, thing? Then I just have, think it would be, I'm talking have, about. Then you have. Vocally, uh, then. Then have a Spanish artist who's from America, from our culture, who's American to sing it. I don't, I don't want to see somebody who's not American singing their, their national anthem. Yeah, nobody it's a, likes it's it. It's a national, but it's a national thing. That, I know. That's where I'm going to have to say, no, 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 no. All I right, Billy, some- Billy Eilish. 
No, it's going to be me and it's going to be wonderful. Now, I'm, I'd like I'm to going see to, I'm going to debut a new outfit, a new look, and it's going to be amazing. So uh, uh, I think you should do the intro to our illustrious guest. Well, um, we're going to be talking to the fabulous longtime friend of ours and great writer, Miles Marshall Lewis, who has a brand new book out about Kendrick Lamar that Miles will hopefully hype until the fucking... Tell the people the title of the book. <laughs> I don't have the book in what, front of me. Amy. Amy. <laughs> Amy. I, I know I'm the worst. I'm Amy. So I know we're doing I'm the, worst. the show and it, I know. we're introducing uh, Miles. Uh, wait, no, no, Google no, 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 it no. quick. No, uh, you do that. That I, makes uh, no do sense. Do I have to run? No, oh, uh, that, I, 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 I cannot totally believe. Forgot. All right. I know. I I'm horrible. All right. Wait, I'm going to do just, a, uh, uh, a vamp, 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 vamp. <sighs> I'm sorry. I had a lot to do this morning. Vamp, wait. You had a lot to do other than telling people. Oh, oh my God. All right. So anyway, Miles is coming up. He's going to talk about his book, which is getting. It's called Promise That that You Will Sing About about Me. me. That's what I thought it was called. But I thought there there was a poem in it. All right. You know what? You have problems with the English language. All right. Okay. But I also don't have problems with our guests coming on. I don't have a book in front of me that we're about to talk about. All right. Let it slide. No, no, I'm not going to let it slide with that one. That's whack. Anyway, Miles coming up next. Sit tight, kids. I want to start this with a huge apology. All right. First off, I woke up at six o'clock thinking it was another day, which is thinking I had to be at work at, at seven, which is bullshit. All right. When we were when we were introducing you and Courtney Berry said, and Amy, the name of the book, and I was like, I forgot. Fuck, the book is on the other side of the room. I can't get up. Uh, and I had to Google it. And so I apologize. So for our non-existent video, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a gorgeous looking book. It's very pretty. Thank it's, you. Yeah, well, it, that was it, half the point. You know, I mean, you've seen or read uh, Jay-Z's Decoded. And I yeah, yeah. Kinda, I wanted something as pretty. We no, wanted something pretty. as pretty. You know, it's got illustrations. It's got no. And it's got a quote from my future ex-husband, Chris X. But that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> hey, you know, Chris. You know, Chris and I have been engaged for, for 25 time. years. We've been engaged for 25 <laughs> years. But somehow he won't set the date. And Chris is actually the first person I ever heard of Kendrick Lamar from. So let's talk about That's the famous. book. Yeah, let's talk about it, Miles. So this is yeah. your second book? Mm. The third book. Um, I did a book that was a memoir about growing up in the Bronx and seeing hip-hop rise and fall. And uh, then there was a book about There's a Ride going on, which is sort of 33 and a third series that yeah. Bruce Barry has. Right. Right. And that came. that was my last book. Although... I don't tend to count the anthologies, but I had an anthology called Bronx Annual that had a bunch of different voices in it, like Michael Gonzalez and Greg Tate and um, Car- unknown Paris struggling one. unknown writers. That's nice of you to give them a form. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I try they're, to they're newbies on. You know, it's good for right. you to give them a form. <laughs> <laughs> so there were two of those. So you know, I guess they kind of count. They were full of short stories and essays and some poetry. Uh, Mums was in there. Uh, the late great Mums, Craig yeah. Mums Grant. Uh, so anyway, uh, in a way, it's it's my third book or maybe my fifth. But well, um, it's, it's called uh, in the Mia Culpa of Mia Culpas. It is called <laughs> "Promise Me That You Will Sing About Me: The Power and Poetry of Kendrick Lamar." It is an. I mean, I'm saying this. I'm showing it. Um, it is a really gorgeous book. I mean, it really is. You get like caught and, and you and I, know, we all know that to get a publisher to spend a nickel on a book is, is fantastic because, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, so you know, I, thinking about decoded, like uh, the amount of money that they spent on decoded in terms of the original photographs had to be yeah. like astronomical because oh. we got a lot of our photographs for free. In fact, all of them. Oh, good for you. Good for you. So <laughs> and who knows it? Who knows if they didn't have to do the same? Because I just I know that when Bill did the Amanda Lepore book with Regan Books, uh-huh. all of those photos from David LaChapelle, all of those very big photographers, he got all of the over 200 photos for free. That's amazing. You know, but, it, but it was a lot of, you know, begging. relationships and digging and begging, begging. you know, so my publishers don't want to spend any money. Why don't yeah. you talk? Are you giving us snacks? What are you bringing out behind there? What do you got there? I'm about what to clean my glasses. So oh, I, I love those. Those are the best <laughs> ever. I learned from my optometrist <laughs> that you cannot spit on your glasses and rub no. it on your shirt. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. no. You won't see what thing. the fuck. That's probably why that's I couldn't see the title of your idea. book. 
because I was spitting on my glasses and rubbing it on my shirt. So right, Miles, like, why Kendrick? Go- yeah, Kendrick. Why Kendrick? Why Kendrick? Why Kendrick? Um, well, uh, I'm getting up in age, you know, and there are fewer and fewer MCs that I actually appreciate uh, or fewer MCs that remind me of the hip hop that I used to love when, um, you know, albums stood at sort of uh, their own statements and stuff like that uh, prior to the shuffle era or the, the shuffle uh, culture era, you know, of iPods and stuff. And anyway, Kendrick does that for me. You know, uh, I would not write a book about Drake. I don't, um, he doesn't move me the same way. I know that Michael Eric Dyson is currently working on a book about Drake and, um, you know, he's a smarter man than I am, but um, I can't really uh, wrap my head around Drake um, or, you know, a lot of the modern MCs the way I can about Kendrick. I think that Kendrick, Drake and Kanye are probably the most interesting uh, pop, you know, level rappers to me, aside from the women, because definitely Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B are, are interesting to me as well. But um, and even Nicki Minaj. But I don't know um, that I would do books on them. Uh, right. Whereas, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I came up in the golden age of hip hop in, in the 90s as well when it went pop. And um, and Kendrick, he just um uh, I can use the language that I used to use for those MCs, Tupac and Biggie and and the rest of them. Um, I can I can use that language on him. His albums, uh, they're cohesive, and uh, and his rhyme ability is is unmatched in my opinion. And uh, he just he just does it for me, you know. I mean, um, yeah. I I was gonna. There's a I, I, jumping on what you're saying about that you do mention what's interesting about the book is that you know if someone thinks this is going to be a bio it's as much a bio about you and your relationship with rap music and your coming of age which is what a lot of rap books tend to be because we um i mean it's the same i guess about punk it's something that was so foundational for many people um so there is that there's a lot of stuff about tribe um in that whole era what i wanted to talk to you because it's interesting kendrick is an interesting artist because um, Courtney and I have talked about this because he is someone who has straddled pop, pop meaning popular, not pop music, right. and right. and sort of very kind of almost agitprop. I mean, high power yeah, is nothing like, you know, humble. And when right. when all the Black Lives Matters uh, and the George Floyd stuff started popping up, I remember Courtney and I kept saying, "Where's Kendrick?" Like, yeah, sure. This is the voice that, like, where is Kendrick? You know, so right. wh- what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that COVID has a lot to do with that. And I think that he's sort of, I mean, commercially anyway, sort of sitting out COVID. Uh, I think that um, uh, albums having an impact right now, like, you know, in this pandemic uh, age that we're still riding through, uh, for albums that have an impact now is sort of more difficult, you know, unless I guess you're releasing like super stellar pro- uh, product. But, um, you know, I wonder how many people are still listening to Donda or how many people are still listening even to to Drake's record, you know, Certified Lover Boy. I mean, certainly the hardcore fans must be, I guess. But um, uh, yeah, the I think hardcore fans didn't like it. Well, no, hold on. I'm yeah. going to push back yeah, on that. Thank you. <laughs> Donda was a piece of, like, Donda wasn't great. Kanye hasn't had no. a pop hit in a long time. Right. And Drake fans, even though this album was number one for three weeks, this was not one of his most popular records. And it's right. not- but there are a lot of... But there are a lot of people who put out albums during the pandemic that were very successful and their word got across quite well. So him not putting something out or having something to say because of yeah. COVID. Is yeah, like, it's not. That even, doesn't I, change the fact that the stuff that was happening was still happening. I hear you. Right? I mean, yeah. um, I mean, and I don't think artists, yeah, people yeah. have had like successful albums and I don't I don't uh, I don't dispute that. I just feel like uh, in terms of his mentality, he might be a little scared, you know. He might but be how about a statement? I was just surprised, and I'm not. Listen, yeah, I don't think he has a responsibility, but it was just sort of one of those things where you're like, you know, we're going to be all right. Is literally like an anthem for the movement, and I, it would have been interesting. But that kind of right. gets me into my other question because he is not, he is not a down the lane guy in terms of his politics. He has been criticized. You talk about this, and I appreciate the fact that you don't. Oh my God, Kendrick Lamar in the book. He has been criticized for an ambivalence right. with, about women in particular, right. an ambivalence about Black Lives Matter. Can you talk, just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think that I probably mentioned this in the book as well that um, there's a danger in embracing wholeheartedly the the role of, you know, the, the public enemy person, you know, or the, 
the Paris person, the KRS-One person, you know, because um, people want to shoot spitballs at that, you know, like you have to straddle the line, but, you know, between, um, between, I don't know, more gutter shit. I can curse, right? You can um, curse. <laughs> you know, fact, you're not cursing shit. enough for us, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, you know, you have to, I don't know, put out more populist material. You, you have to straddle the line. You know, you can't just be common because when you're just common, then nobody you buys know, your records. Right. You know, that puts you in a certain lane and, and certain listeners don't want to hear that all the time. But I'm talking about his statements. I'm sorry, Courtney. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'm right. gonna say is, I, you know how I feel. Amy. I don't think it's an artist's responsibility to have to tell people what to do and how to feel. Uh-huh. And, 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 I, and I don't you know, I know that you would always you. Amy does feel strong, like his music really speaks to this time that he like where was where was yeah. the statement to say something when all these things are going on. Right. I don't necessarily think artists have to do that. I think they can give you what they want to give you in that moment. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? And you're supposed to take that and and you can enjoy it as music, or if you if it means something to you in a in a more meaningful well way, that is. That that's okay too because it is very dangerous. Once you take that stand, you can't untake it, right. and it's not a black or white issue. And I think people are complicated. Artists are complicated. Art is complicated. Then you know you win a Pulitzer Prize, and it right. kind of complicates things more because now people are looking at you like you are a voice of a generation. Right. So it's kind of like, are you supposed to say something, or can you just say it in your art? Like we don't know. He's working on an album. We don't know what that art's going to say. It could say sure. everything that everybody's wanted him to say for a long time, or it could just be a fun record, right? Right. Well, what about? I was gonna. I'm glad Courtney brought that up. I want to ask you about the the. I'll tell you a very fast little anecdote. So a person who I don't feel like mentioning his name had to give some talk a couple of years ago or two years ago about hip hop. And he said to me, I don't even fucking listen to rap anymore. I said, oh, just tell me, listen to Kendrick. Everybody over the age of 45 listens to Kendrick. Just say Kendrick, 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 Kendrick. And they'll go, oh, wow, you're really cool, even though you're 50 something. Um, winning the polls are mind blowing. OK, it's a mind blowing prize for anybody, but especially for a young black man, for a rapper, a mind blowing but it adds a degree of sort of like mainstream legitimacy, which could be seen as like death to a rapper in some ways. Does that make sure. any sense? What do you, I mean, yeah. what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, I think it was maybe Jay Smooth who was uh, quoted in the book as saying that, uh, you know, the Pulitzer, him winning the Pulitzer does more for the Pulitzers than it does for him, you know? Like, uh, the streets were not waiting for Kendrick to win a Pulitzer Prize (laughs) for us to be like, oh, great, you know, like, now he's whatever. Like, we already knew he was whatever uh, in terms of being, you know, a great MC and a a voice of his generation and all of that. Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's the Pulitzer Prize Committee that can say, oh, you know, we awarded it to a rapper and, you know, a young black man has one and we're, we're hip, you know, like it doesn't do anything for Kendrick. I mean, really, it does more for the Pulitzer Prize Committee, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I have to say about it. I mean, certainly he is a patron saint for um, hip hop, you know, listeners over 50. Yes. <laughs> yes. And white people. I mean, it, he is also. one of those, he's seen as one of those signifiers of course, present company excluded, but he is seen as one of those signifiers of like, I'm paying attention to the culture, but yet, you know, yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, no, and um, uh, can you talk a little bit, because he is an interesting guy with this, talk a little bit about his faith. He is very open. He he is a Christian, right? I mean, he, and he that talks correct. a lot about faith. Can you talk a little that bit correct. about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I hope he gets into that a little bit more even on the next record. I mean, we know just following the narrative of his albums, which are very like concept album-ish, that uh, on Good Kid Mad City, there's a skit where he gets saved in a, a food for less parking lot. Uh, you know, as a, as a skit, right? Like um, that's my favorite of his albums. Actually. Well, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, I read a critique of um, my book the other day that said I, you're not supposed to read the the um, the reviews, right? But I read this review and it said <laughs> you that I read all of, have you read all of them? <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. <laughs> He's like, you can tell by like it was like you're not supposed to read the reviews. But, I'm like, but I've read all how, of them. However, <laughs> you know, it's it's weird being on the other side of it, right? It's it weird is suddenly going. Yeah. People are asking me questions. You know, journalists, we just make shit up. And that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, the critique was that I spent too much time on Good Kid, Bad City, you know, and I was like, well, that 
that might be fair considering it's, it's probably my favorite but the point yeah. is that Maya Angelou appears on that record and she plays like a grandmother who saves him you know uh, he does like the Lord's Prayer or the Savior's Prayer or something like that and it automatically saves you as a Christian right and so uh, he's definitely very he puts that forward in his lyrics um, in terms of being uh, a Christian right but then on the last record on Damn there were like some, you know, there was some hotep stuff on there in terms of um, yeah. quoting certain sections of the Bible that, um, you know, you'll hear from like black Israelites on the corner on, you know, like near Union Square on, on 14th Street. 125th Street. Right. right. The <laughs> yeah. They're still in. I'm the not sure where he's going with God. that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where he's going with that. You know, uh, I mean, uh, we're no strangers to the whole five percent nation, you know, uh, theology of things. And it, it was leaning in that direction. And, and again, in, in the direction of like the black Israelites uh, that talk so much shit, uh, to, you know, don't don't troll me, y'all. Um, but yeah, I have to tell you my, it's a really fast story. When I first moved to Brooklyn in 1983, I've told Courtney a story. I'm in the Fulton mall and, uh, I see these guys standing there in outfits and I'm like, Oh my God. And I run home and I call a friend. I go, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five are in the Fulton mall. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, and and you know, things have changed because a black guy tried to give me the final call the other day. And I'm like, wow, you guys are desperate for membership. Like, hello, no, white devil. I was going to work, but I was like, I was so shocked that a black guy would off because used to, you know how it used to be. They would see you coming and literally hide it behind their back and then bring it out again. Well, no, because we're black, so it was yeah, a different I didn't have that. <laughs> No, when you were white, when you were white, I meant when you were white, they would literally that. the bean pies would go behind their mm-hmm. back. Bill oh, Adler yeah? used to always try to get me. Can you buy me a bean pie? I'm like, Jesus Christ, Adler. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now we're white, white devil. How long did it take you? How much time did you spend with Kendrick? Um, uh, well, so I interviewed him in 2015. It was for the cover story of Ebony magazine. And he's one of the few rappers or certainly one of the first rappers to appear on the cover. Uh, I was working at Ebony at the time uh, on their digital Did you side. get paid? I, d- I did actually. Okay, yeah. Well, actually, Miles. Because I was working with him. <laughs> So I, I want to stand up for Miles because I did a couple <laughs> right. of things for Ebony.com and uh-huh. Miles made sure oh. we got, you got paid. You got paid. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tried my best, you know, but um, <laughs> thank you. But yeah, he might have been like my second cover story for Ebony. I think I've done like mm-hmm. 10 at this point or something. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the few writers who will still write for them, maybe. Um, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I went out to Cali, uh, spoke to him at the photo shoot, and then I went to the studio with him and I we hung out for a couple of hours. And in true Gemini fashion, uh, you know, I'm thinking about Prince here, that he's a workaholic and he just sort of wanted to get back to what he was doing. But he was present with me and he gave me everything I needed. And yeah. then I took my Uber home and he stayed in the studio till five in the morning, you know, and that's right. what he does. Um, I He has a uh, he's a father now. Right. So he has mm-hmm. a little girl. Uh, she might be like a year old or something. And uh, and his, the uh, wife or like the mother is Whitney Alford. Um, they've been engaged for a long time. And a long time. Oh, they're like high school sweethearts. Yeah, aren't they? they're high they're school sweethearts. Yeah. For all we know, they're married by this point, right. and we just don't know. Like right. the name of the child has not even been released. So but see, I like that. Like your yeah. private life, keep yeah. your private life private. People don't right. need to know because once you let fo- listen, once you let folks in, right. you can't you can't get them out. Right. Courtney, does does Janet have a daughter? She was married to James DeBarge, though. We know uh, that. You know, and there Courtney, was a kid. I, honestly, no, I think if Janet had a daughter, Janet would have acknowledged her daughter by now. I do. I, I, I absolutely do believe Just asking. I don't, because you see how much, you see how much she loves her kid. Yep. I can't see her being a person. And that family is actually, they, they may have some strange shit, but they're really family oriented, <laughs> right? right? Some, would say, some would say Michael was extremely family oriented. <laughs> okay, you know what? Uh, it's like I feel <laughs> the shame. <laughs> I think if Janet had a daughter, Janet would have acknowledged her daughter. Yeah, she's I, the normal Jan- one. Especially seeing how she is with her kid and she's really into her kid. Like yeah. I, I don't think she'd be like, Yeah, no. Right. Okay. And these days, the kid would have like no one can keep anything a secret anymore. <laughs> Everybody uh-huh. tells fucking everything. Well, you know right. it's a lot like that in terms of the secretive, and they are combined. They have a similarity. It's J. Cole. We didn't know that J. Cole got married, and he also married mm. his no, college. He had, been, 
he had been, been married. married. Right. And I think he has married. a kid. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a streak of conservatism and I'm not, I don't mean in terms of being a Republican um, in, in a J Cole, in, in a Kendrick, in that they are very much guided by faith, which by its nature is somewhat conservative and it's not, I'm not making a pejorative of it. And no. they are, you know, there is something about I'm marrying the girl I went to high school with. There is a, a sort of, um, a practicality about them, a sort of provincialness about them. And this is not a pejorative. And I think it shows, mm -hmm. maybe that shows why he says what he says, but he doesn't go so far left or right as to alienate people. Yeah. I mean, certainly uh, part of that is just a generational reaction to uh, what, what their generation is steeped in, which is uh, the bear all social media uh, situation. You know, um, there was bound to be sort of a reactionary thing you know against that uh, eventually and i think that kendrick and j cole you know are part of that well i don't have to be there all the time every single day telling you every aspect of every you know last goddamn thing like no they're not on that thank god yeah are you happy with the reaction to your book uh so far you know i mean it's new so um uh, you know what can i say i mean it's it's been out like nine days so far um, yeah, but I am. I went to Barnes and Noble, uh, you know, so that it could stick the little autograph by sticker on it and I could sign mm -hmm. some books. And um, you, at Union Square, they only had one one stock. And I was like, uh, you want to maybe order some more? And they were like, no, this is the, la this is the last one left. Like, you know, this. Wow, that's <laughs> great. It's selling yeah. well at Greenlight Books. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. That's 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 amazing. No, it's Listen, an achievement. Nobody nobody tries to, you know, books are a labor of love, especially now. It's a hard work to get a publishing deal. It's hard work to get your book out there. And you want to know that people are responding to it and they're being receptive to it. So congratulations. Yeah, Thank no. from my little Miles, who <laughs> was a uh, video buying assistant at Tower Video a gazillion <laughs> years ago. He's now he's now Parisian yeah. <laughs> and he writes yeah. books. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll, I'll tell this story that you may not remember, or maybe I tell it every time I see you. I don't know, but um, I, you know, Courtney and I we worked at Tower Video, right? Uh, once upon a lifetime uh, on Fourth street and like Lafayette. All right. Mm -hmm. So I was working there. I, I would say that it was probably the summer of 89. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So prior to the summer 89, I had tried to pinch a rolling stone from tower records, <laughs> which was down the block and I got caught and they took me to their little control room. And I was like, Oh shit. Like cameras everywhere. Yeah, right. mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. They were like, all right, you know, we're not like arresting you or anything. It's $5, but you're not allowed at any tower ever in the country. And they took my picture and I, I mm -hmm. kind of smiled in the picture, I think. And they stuck it on the wall and they were like, all right, so we'll yeah, never see a wall of thieves. Right. Yeah, they did. And then like <laughs> nine, nine months later, they hired me. That's so funny. <laughs> That's so funny. The tower. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about when the first time you and I met, and I think, I think. I know what it was. All right, tell me, because I we'll see if we have the, the same memory. The, yeah, well, I was like, what do you think it is? It was the New Edition concert. At it was, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> right. It was the New Edition concert. I was like, like was it, the, it was the New Edition concert at... Was at, it the Any Heartbreak concert? No, no, Madison Square Garden, nope. when they got back together, when Whitney got on stage, it, it, it was Black Street opening up, Black Street, <laughs> right. to which I have told Courtney this, I had to tell a very major writer for many major publications who tapped me on the shoulder and goes, oh, who is this? Which one is Teddy Riley. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Wow, like that one. I'm glad I can identify them for you. So it was, it was, it was Black Street, Teddy Riley, Keith Sweat, and then right. New Edition. And you were there with your then girlfriend. That's true. And yes, and um, I just remember. Uh, and um, yes, and then I think we would run into each other from time to time to time to time to time. Over yeah, the for years. sure. No, but that was an amazing weekend because I remember it distinctly. It was like, uh, it was that new edition show and that was a great show. But Prince also played that weekend and Tricky also played that weekend. Was Tricky that the, was at Irving Plaza. and was, Prince, that the bridge, was that the Prince show at Irving Plaza that Leslie worked on? I don't think so. I think this was maybe Prince. The 2 a.m. The 2 a.m. Because I went to a 2 a.m. Prince show at Irving Plaza. Yeah, that was the which, same one. Which, which was ended, ended up being one of his shows where it was a jam session where he was like, yeah. I'm not going to sing 
a single no. Shaka was there. Shaka was Black there. Larry Graham. Graham. Everybody else said great show. We played and went back and forth. He was like, "No, you will be here for hours, that was and a my great mouth show. will not." It was fabulous. Yes, yeah, Joan <laughs> Osborne. No, no, that <laughs> Leslie Leslie Pitts worked that show. That mm-hmm. was her show. I don't know how the hell I ended up at that show in terms okay. of staying was, yeah. awake. Yeah, you know, <laughs> because right. that was back when it was like. Prince at 2 a.m. was exciting. He, it was the yeah. news. I am so glad that the last show that I saw Prince live at was uh-huh. I went to the after show he did the night of the MTV Awards. It was a Sunday mm-hmm. night, like Sunday, September 12th. And he played a city winery. And yeah, right. everybody oh, sang oh, with him. It, yeah, it was like Alice Smith and C- everybody. Fresh. And that was the last time because I didn't go. I didn't make it to any of the shows after that. And, you know, so I'm so glad that my last memory was another small show. Because I've seen him in small venues several times. Yeah. Now, the best show that I was done from him was it was at New Morning in Paris, you know? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. uh, I remember uh, because I lived in Paris, for those who don't know, from 2004 to 2011. Right. Mm -hmm. So he played. It wasn't even an after show because there was no before show. Actually, Erica Badu had played Olympia. And I went to that show. Mm -hmm. And backstage mm. at that show, Erica was like, you know, Prince is playing tonight. And I was like, oh, shit. So I went mm. to New Morning, like capacity 200. And right. it was a fantastic show. He played till six in the morning. It was like mm. the best show I ever saw from him, you know? Yeah, I, I miss those late night Prince shows. Man, when he was on, oh ooh, yeah, he just gave it to you. You left there drenched in sweat from just dancing and singing. And yeah. I love that there's not a lot of, there's not really any footage for that because it Prince has been nah. on the no camera, right. no taping me <laughs> way before that was a thing of artists. Now, like put your phone in this pouch. It was no right. like you pull the phone out and somebody would tap yep. you so quickly. I mean, you wouldn't even see where they came from. It'd just be like, and I, city winery, I kept watching them throw people out because they would be trying to sneak and they'd be like, right. Yep. Bye. You gotta go. Bye. Not even put the phone away. You, you're leaving. Yeah. You're leaving. See ya. A little bit about Paris because you know, like, I mean, it's it's a beautiful city, and I I was I've been there a couple times, luckily, on other people's nickel, which is always nice. Yeah, and I went there. One of my favorite stories I ever did, which I hope you read, uh, was when I went to Paris in '98 for the source to do a thing about the French hip hop scene, and um, it was you know, like MC Solar, of course, but NTM and Assassin and yeah, all those guys, and um. NTM was very disappointed when I walked in the room that I was a white writer. They actually uh, said to their publicist, why'd they send a white girl? And I was oh. like, sorry. Um, <laughs> talk about living in Paris, because there is a tradition of Black Americans uh, going to Paris, mm. you know? Yeah, I mean, that's true. I went in my 30s, and I didn't have a mortgage, and I, I didn't have a car note, and I didn't have a job, because Russell Simmons, One World, went out of business. And I was <laughs> like, uh, instead of paying this back rent, why don't I uh, buy a ticket to Paris and so? So I did, you know, I had a, um, I had a French ex-girlfriend and I asked her to sort of help me set up in an apartment and, you know, uh, what do I have to do? You know, um, like if I'm going to have to be an elevator man for a while to pay the rent, I would rather do it in Paris where nobody knows me than, um, than do it downtown or whatever in Manhattan. So, um, so she helped me set up and, you know, it was easier than I thought. And actually we fell back in love and, um, and we got married and we started having kids. Oh, that's this is my wife. Wait, your wife is French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's um. Wait a minute, you didn't know that? <laughs> no, <laughs> she makes macaroons. Yeah, her um, her I family's just from she was a... cultured. You just show. thought she wasn't from the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> now her family's from Martinique, you know, from the Fre- oh. French West okay. Indies, uh, the Antilles. And, okay. Yeah, exactly. And they moved, uh, you know, Martinique and Guadeloupe. Like they moved to Paris when she was like four years old. And um, and so she's from there. Yeah. So her brother lives there. Her dad is still over there. We go every time. All that, you know. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it was dope, mm -hmm. though. I mean, I went also definitely inspired by Baldwin and Richard Wright and different people who've been there, but also because I had been before and I really loved it. You know, Um, I remember studying abroad in London for like four months in 1995. Uh, I, I went to that uh, D'Angelo show at Jazz Cafe that they recorded. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, oh, I have that. I love it. Yeah, yeah I was right. at that yeah. show. You know, that's the only show that I was at where they made a record of it. And yeah. uh, and I didn't like London like that. But like Paris, I had stayed for like five days and was like, yo, I can live here. You know, like it's I actually beautiful did. City. I lived in London and was like, get me out of here. Like, where's the good food? 
Well, you so let's know, talk about Paris because did you uh did you ever run into Mila and Carmen? I was just going to say that with? you have to <laughs> you are contractually You're obligated. Next, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are contractually obligated to pay homage. One of the one of the reasons Courtney likes me is because when uh-huh. he said Milan Farmer, I didn't go, who? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, nah, um, in terms of Paris, like I tried to transpose uh, the whole like open bar velvet rope lifestyle of New York to Paris. I was like, that must exist here. Like get me on all the, you know, right. the, the, the uh, mailing lists and all that kind of shit. And it wasn't really the same culture. Um, however, I did uh, my share interviews over there. So I interviewed... Um, Charlotte Gansborg and I interviewed. Oh, wow. oh, I love her. I love. Her. I interviewed Julie Delpy, the actress. Oh, I love her too. Oh, I love her too. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then I would go to the shows, the American shows, like Nas came mm-hmm. over there, Jay Z, Kanye, uh, Lil Wayne, uh, Q Tip did a show, Michelle and Cello. I saw Prince a couple of times. So whenever I could go to stuff, I just did. I saw yeah. the My Bloody Valentine reunion. That was hot. Oh wow! That was a wow. last ass fucking show, man. Like nice. they would you, hand out earphones, you know. Did or you earphones. like? Are you an Etienne Daho fan? I really like him a lot. Do you know sure. him? Yeah. yeah, I like him a lot. I yeah. like that nope. the French have a real kind of respect for the singers. You know, they really seem right. to embrace the singers. Um, yeah, we, I was just over there this summer and I saw uh, Leon Lahavas. Oh, oh, I love her. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. live. She's, she's amazing. You know, I and, love her music. I love yeah. her voice. She's really I, undersung here. She really, Courtney. Is you think it, she think you yeah. think she's somebody I would like now that you've kind of got a sense of my my yes yes okay. I think, I'm gonna, yeah, I think you would like her. I think I'm gonna like listen. I'm gonna listen yeah. to her, Miles. We just wanted to like since Ken, since you know Kendrick was nice enough to be in the halftime show while you're promoting a book about him. I think that's <laughs> really kind of him to do that. I, I agree. I wish he would release a new album. <laughs> I know, right? I think right, it's coming. Listen, you know, if he said yes to the Super Bowl, there's going to be something to support. You don't you don't have that kind of a moment and not unless you're Jennifer Lopez, who shows up to the opening of an envelope. You were (laughs) you you usually want to have something around it to support it because you all eyes on you. They'll all be talking about you. I have a feeling if he's not fourth quarter, we'll have something in that first quarter. Yeah, I agree. What do you think about the lineup, though? We're just, you know, in terms of just being a fan. No, of it's, a dope, it's a dope lineup. I, I wonder, like most people, uh, you know, how many, like, what is the sensor button going to be like? Oh, like, you know, eh, what are you going to get to work the sensor button that night? You know, it'll be itch, uh, don't kill my vibe. Itch, <laughs> itch, please. <laughs> it's like, you know, most of the songs I want to hear are not performable at the Super Bowl. They're not family Uh, friendly. Yeah, they're not not, family. Not not bunch, but, you know, we'll see what they do with it. We'll see what they do with it. We always kind of wrap things up or not wrap, but we I'd love to Courtney and I. uh, One of the things I love about doing the show, other than getting to wear really ugly headphones, is that Courtney always hips me to a lot of good music. So we were going to talk about people that we're kind of checking for right now. But if you want to jump it off and talk about who you're listening to these days or just something doesn't have to be a new artist, just anything you're kind of listening to. (laughs) Well, so I'm in film school, right? I'm I'm taking a 12 week filmmaking workshop. And it's all the way down by uh, Battery Place. So I have like 45 minutes on the train four days a week. So I've been like listening uh, to stuff on the train more often than I usually would. Uh, so I played the new Her album or the the first, the only Her album, according to her. Right, he, right, right. Yeah. Um, I played that and, you know, was really trying to um, trying to love it again because uh, it didn't impress me um, hugely when I first heard it. Um, so I'm not still really not there with it. But I appreciate her as a talent, and I hope you know, there's still better material from her. Do you too. know who I equate her with? She reminds me of Patrice Russian. Mm. She is a very talented musician. She's right. going to have some songs you like. She might not ever really sell a gazillion records, yeah. but I think people will always want to work with her because she is very musical. She's super talented. Right. She right. can play. She can write. She can perform. I, You know, I like her record. There's been a lot of music. I, I I just think it hasn't had that real moment yet. Yeah, but I think it, it will come for her. It's like Patrice; she can have a very long career. Yeah, as long as I, they don't expect her to just sell a gazillion records, she'll be all yeah. right. I can see that. No, I mean, uh, yesterday I li- like you know, hand in the Bible. I listened to Paul's boutique yesterday. 
And that's an album that I hadn't heard in, in you know, Decades. so fucking long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I played Paul's Boutique. I played uh, Frank Ocean's uh, Blonde uh, lately. I, I played Donda again. Overrated. I, like, not playing it since the day it was released. Uh, I played uh, Solange, A Seat at the Table. Overrated. Uh, you know, these are the kind of records that I've been looking Even Beyonce's self-titled album, I kind of okay. played that, uh, you know, recently. I, I just pulled that yes. out the yes. other day. And I never really play any of the music or anything that I've worked on. I don't usually play it. But for some reason, I was in the mood to hear that, and it sounded great. I'm sure. I want the vinyl. Actually, I'm, I'm glad that you have the vinyl. It's hot. Mm-hmm. I have never gone into a record store that has the vinyl. I guess, mm-hmm. you know. You really have I think to it was like right and buy I it. mean it, it, I got it from the you know the run when they right. first put it out. I don't know if they really have right. done a bunch of reissues on it. They have well, not, thank you. you know, have lemonade everywhere, but not right. that one. Right. Right. Well, you know, thank you, Miles. Thanks, Thanks for coming. Miles. Yeah, thank I, you. We haven't seen I haven't we haven't physically seen you in such a long time. So we're all aging <laughs> gracefully. I appreciate it. Yes, hey, no, the last time I was at your place, Amy, um, you were not there. Because uh, oh yeah, Michael, Michael invited me. yeah Michael invited me up yeah, which is why right. Michael never comes to my house anymore. Um, All right, you guys. Know it's it great to see you, Miles. Congratulations on the book, really. No, thank you, and, thank you very much. And you guys, no. hold on for a second, Miles. Yeah, Let me just say this. Remember, yeah. guys, it's Miles Marshall Lewis. The name of the book is "Promise That You Will Sing About Me." It's a, a great book on Kendrick Lamar. It talks about. Just Miles's love of hip hop, Kendrick, and parallels in life. Beautiful photos, guys. Support your local records bookstores if you can. It's in your bookstores, and then you know if you can't find it there because it's sold out and it's selling out everywhere, then go online and get it. But make sure you get it. Books are important. Books are really super important, you know. And I want you guys to always remember things like when the internet goes down and Facebook goes down and IG goes down. Books don't go anywhere, you know? And you also know to follow us at the Pantheon Podcast Network, and you can find us there, over 70 other shows there. You know all of our stuff, where to find us, because you're listening to us here, so thank you for that. You know our social media. We're on Facebook, I'm going to let you finish, or one word. We're on Twitter at Finish Ima. We're on Instagram, I'm going to let you finish in Y. Miles is on all of the platforms, get his book, support our show. Remember that it's almost Christmas. Meelan Farmer, I'm going to make Miles translate all of Meelan Farmer's songs and that's going to be his next book and all of the pictures are going to be me dressed as her from the different eras. And that's how we're going to work it out. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. (laughs) And on that note, kids, we'll see you on the next one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.